Good morning, New Testament Church at LJ. This is a new year and a new way of doing things. So bear with us if we have any technical difficulties this morning. You can try the chat box or you can always message me. I think most of you should have my cell or my Facebook Messenger. We'll see if we can get the issues straightened out. Love you all so much. Missing everybody. Hoping that y'all are staying warm and safe and just so thankful for our church family in this new year and for what the Spirit of God is working in us. So we're going to just gather our hearts together this morning just like we would if we were in the sanctuary. So let's just bow our heads and join our hearts together this morning. God, we praise you this morning. We worship you. We love you, God. And I ask that you gather our hearts together, Lord, and give us those eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand. Lord, I know there's many things that you want to say to us today. And above all things, Lord, let us put your will before our will. God, let your will be done. Minister to the hearts of your people, Lord, everywhere, Lord, and give us the wisdom and the guidance that we need to lead us in this new year. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. The Lord's been so good to us since we've seen y'all. We've just been in great fellowship with him. He's ministered to us. He's talked to us. He's given us wisdom and leadership for the upcoming year. And I know Brother John's going to take us into the word this morning and help us to understand where God's wanting to take us. So I want to encourage everybody. You know, a lot of times a new year is a new season, a new day, a new time to start over, new beginnings. So, you know, try something new and fresh in your relationship with God this year and see what you could come up with. I know I joined in with a couple of sisters and we're going to join in together and do a devotional together. And see if, you know, that'll pull us together and help us, you know, fellowship together in the Lord. So if you want to join in with that, just private message me somewhere and I'll give you the info. We can all do it together. Um, you know, but if not, I just encourage you to be in constant relationship and constant fellowship with the Lord. Don't let these things slip. These daily things matter. And I'm going to share one thing with you as Brother John gets ready this morning. He said we're working with a new situation. But just going to share with you something that the Lord brought to my remembrance and uh, to my mind. I had faced a couple of trials and situations, and I know a lot of us, um, you know, have done that. And as I walk through those things, you know, sometimes, not sometimes, but all the time when we're in a trial, our, our, uh, the pressure is intense. So we try to find our way through that. And so in these situations, you know, I just, it's sometimes we are the ones that do the choosing. We think, well, surely God, this must be the way that you want it to go. We choose the path out because sometimes we think that what we think the sufferings of Christ are is not what he has as the sufferings of Christ. So we choose the path that we deem most painful. And you know, it really wasn't what God had in mind. We just inflicted a lot of needless pain on ourselves. If we would, in fact, just stop and surrender our minds and will and find the will of God, we would really find out what the suffering of Christ that he's trying to work in us at that time. The real short example I'm going to give, because there's been a few that have 
been pretty big here lately, but this is a pretty simple one that I think y'all can relate to. And it had to do with a loved one and, and uh, you know, their health was teetering and, you know, just thinking, you know, God, just make their heart, you know, make sure their hearts are right and let them go home, be with you. And, you know, that just seemed like in my natural man, that was the giving up and a surrendering. And I thought, well, surely that must be what God is. He's just wanting me to let go of this person and let go and give up of my natural desire and, and surrender them to the Lord. And, you know, I kind of prayed along those lines for a while. And then one day the spirit of the Lord spoke. And he said, the devil's trying to kill him. you got to fight for him. Well, that changed my mind, and it changed my attitude, and I started fighting for this person and, and really began to see the will and the call of God on their lives and, and really began to fight for that. And later, as I reflected back, the Lord showed me that I had chosen what I thought was God's suffering, what I thought was the sufferings of Christ, that he must just be wanting me to suffer this loss and, and get through that pain. But, you know, that wasn't what, what it was about. Actually, it was harder to stay in the fight and to fight for the will of God to be done in this person than it was just to surrender them to go home and be with the Lord. So really, I was choosing the easy way out because I was just going to surrender. I was just going to surrender the fight. That's not what it's about. Never surrender the fight. That's never what it's about. If you choose another way out, that is your flesh because that's the easier way out. It might be a sacrificing of something you desire and you love, but the real suffering of Christ is when you stay in the fight and you fight for the will of God. That's what his will is. That's what brings those sufferings. Because you have to get in and war in the spirit. And you have to fight for the will of God. There was another situation just this past week that the enemy came in. And I came and told my husband, I said, that's it. We're just going to do this, this, and this. And that'll just be so much easier. And I just can't take this pressure. That'll get us out from under this pressure. And, and that'll settle it. And... You know, I didn't, you know, I thought, surely that must be what God has. He just wants us to surrender in this area and just give it up. And went on about my way. And just a little while, the Lord stopped me dead in my tracks. And he said, if you give up now, he said, if you, if the enemy stops you right here in this place, you'll never go any further with God. He will back you all the way into the corner. You'll never have anything spiritually. You'll never have anything financially. You'll never have anything in your, in your natural life, in your spiritual life, in your work, in your ministry for God, you'll never have anything because he'll back you all the way in the corner. And I began to see that. And I stopped and I did not realize that that's what I had done. I was getting out of the fight. And I had no right to excuse myself from the fight. I had no right to do that. So this is something we have to keep in the forefront of our minds and make sure that the what we think is the surrendering and what we think is the giving up is actually by the Spirit of God and not our fleshly, what we want to, you know, works and religion will do that. Well, I surrendered this and I surrendered that. Yeah, but did you surrender your will? You might have surrendered objects and things and loved ones, but maybe that's not what God required. Maybe what He requires is the surrendering of your will in the situation.
sometimes it is just much easier to do works. It's just much easier to throw a loved one out of your life and say, you know, that's it, God. I just give up and move on. No. It's harder sometimes to stay in the fight and fight for that loved one when they're most contrary or when you can see no way in your eyes for the will of God to be done in their lives or stay in a situation when it looks impossible. That's what Abraham, just like Abraham with Isaac, that looked impossible to him. But he was fully persuaded that God was well able to do what he said. God was not going to let that seed perish. So you got to look in your life and see what the will of God is. Don't make the choice. Don't, you know, Jonah jumped over ship. He thought, you know, he would sacrifice that way. No, it was not. He was not going to have peace. He went through all that needless suffering. If he'd have just obeyed the will of God from the get-go, he wouldn't have had to suffer all that. So don't do the choosing. Let God do the choosing of the suffering. We don't get to pick our suffering. He has to pick it because he knows what's going to work the best and work his nature in us. So I wanted to share that with you all today just to throw a little encouragement out there that don't choose the way out. Seek God. Seek God. It's not always about getting out from under the pressure, <laughs> which we like to do many times, but it is about the will of God being done, not just in our lives, but in the lives of other people. So wanted to share that today and wish everybody a very happy new year and excited to hear what, what Brother John's going to minister to us and, um, and looking forward really to seeing everybody face to face again and hoping this weather clears up pretty soon. So I just want to pass those words on to you today and, and wish everybody a, a happy new year and say God bless you and I love you and I just want us to uh, prepare our hearts now as, as Brother John gets ready to come and, and bring that word to us and say so y'all get your Bibles out and get your notebooks out and let's get ready to hear what the Lord's going to say in this new year. God bless. Good morning. Pray everybody's doing well. No, sorry we can't be together because of the weather, but thank God for what He's put in place that we can gather together and enjoy the Word. I tell you, it kind of reminds me this morning of the little boy that went to Sunday school and he uh, come back home and his mama asked him, so what did they teach on this morning he said well mom I'm not sure I said way in the back but it sounded like something like many were cold but a few were frozen so this morning I know a lot of us got single digit and different temperatures and uh, that are really down but I'm glad we could get together this way via Facebook I mean via live stream and uh, got a lot of things that are on my heart. I tell you, this is a new year. God is speaking of a great, great working of His Spirit in 2017. I'm excited about what God's doing, and I believe there's going to be many things that God is going to bring forth and a lot of changes that God is going to bring forth if we will listen. You know, it doesn't matter what the Spirit speaks. You have got to have an eye to see and an ear to hear 
what the Spirit is saying to the church children and we are the church. You've got to have that spiritual eye that you can see and that spiritual ear that you can hear and God has to place understanding by His Spirit in your heart as to where He wants to take you in the Spirit in this year that we're entering into. You know, so many people, they get they get settled down in religion. You cannot serve God in religion. You cannot say, you cannot get comfortable in, in the things that you uh, have walked in and the things that you have believed because God is always evolving. That's what a lot of people don't understand. God is always evolving and God is wanting you to mature. He's wanting you to grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. I have so many people that they want to stay with what they've had for 15, 20, 30, 40 years. Well, you can stay there, but you're going to miss the move of God. You know, in the wilderness, when the, when the pillow of cloud or the pillow of fire stopped somewhere, the children of Israel stopped. But when that pillow of cloud begin to move or that pillow of fire begin to move, then if they wanted to go with the move of God, they had to pack up and follow the moving of the Spirit. And there, when they came to Jordan and Moses died, there was two and a half tribes that they, they settled down on this side of Jordan. They didn't want to go in and possess the promise. They didn't want to follow different and new leadership. And a lot of people today, they're getting settled in what they've believed all these years. They're getting settled down in doctrine and tradition. And God is evolving. The, the Spirit of God is changing. And it's bringing forth. You know, God has told us for years, out of Isaiah, Behold, I do a new thing. He told us not to remember the former things, not to consider the things of old, but that He would do a new thing. And I've quoted that scripture so many times out of 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, that your eye hath not seen, neither hath your ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. One of the prophets said, for them that wait upon Him, God has prepared things that have not entered into your heart. Your eyes haven't seen, your ears haven't heard, neither has your heart understood what the Spirit is speaking. But so many people, when you quote that Scripture, they'll look at you and they'll nod their heads like they know what God's doing. Let me tell you something. If God's never done it, then it you can't know it. You can't understand it. And there is just a, a, a verse in Isaiah 48, and I'm going to flip over there real quick, and it, it tells people... You know, because people, they, they've got this attitude, they've got this spirit that they think they know all about God and they know everything that God is and they, they know everything that God wants to do and where He's going and where He's going to take us. And, and I believe it's somewhere about verse 6 in Isaiah 48. Thou hast heard, see all this, and will ye not declare it? I have showed thee new things from this time even hidden things, and thou didst not know them. God is doing something we've never known. 
God has taken us into the fullness of the Christ, into the fullness of His Spirit, into the latter reign of the Holy Ghost. There is nothing in the Scripture to give us an insight into the latter reign of the Holy Ghost and what it is or what it's going to do. But the very next part of Isaiah 7, verse 7 in Isaiah 48 says this, They are created now and not from the beginning even before the day when thou heardest them not, lest thou should say, Behold, I knew them. God is doing things that you don't know. God is doing things that have never been revealed. God is doing things that have not entered into our heart, that our eyes have not seen and our ears have not heard. And God began to deal with me back in late November and early December. He said that I am going to change the course of the church. There's things coming in in 2017 that the church has never been had an eye to see and an ear to hear and a heart to understand. We've never been privileged to have this knowledge. So if you are hungry for God and you want to see a visitation you want to see a visitation of the Spirit of God then prepare your hearts because there is a ministry, there is a word, there is an anointing, there is a breaking forth of the Spirit of God for the hungry, for those that desire I, I am so tired of people I, that have settled down in a form of religion I, that denies the power thereof. I, you know when God speaks His word in the scriptures I, so many of us we want to pass them on to people we call sinners. But there's things God spoke to us. There's things God spoke to the body of Christ that were not for the sinners. And God spoke in 2 Timothy the 4th chapter. And God told him, he began to speak in that second Timothy, I'm sorry, the third chapter, and God began to speak about all the things that would come to pass, and in the last days perilous times shall come. And he began to tell people God was not talking to the sinner. He was trying to warn his people of the lukewarmness and the uh, and what would come on them if they couldn't hear his word. He was trying to tell them. He said, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Paul was not talking to the sinner. Paul was writing a letter to the church. There that Timothy had become the bishop or the apostle over. Paul was writing to the church under Timothy's ordination. And he was trying to warn them what was coming. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitor, heady, high excuse me lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away are you hearing me today God is trying to show us that the church has dropped into a form of godliness but it denies the very power of the kingdom the very power of deliverance I've never seen so many sick diseased and bound people and I'm talking about in the church you can get bound with religion you can get bound 
bound uh, with the doctrines of men. You can get bound uh, in forming traditions uh, and you can go through the shouting, the singing. Uh, you can go through the praising and never uh, feel nothing in your soul. Uh, God is not emotion. God uh, is not religious tradition. Uh, God is reality. Uh, he is a burning fire. He is a living God. Uh, hallelujah. And it's time to turn and begin to seek uh, for the visitation uh, of a living God to step down uh, into our souls uh, and impregnate us with the Christ. Uh, and it's time for the Christ uh, to begin to grow in inside of us. Uh, Paul said, my little children uh, of whom I travail uh, in birth again until Christ uh, be formed in you. It's time for the Christ to begin to be formed. You know, the Lord put a scripture in my spirit and I was reaching out and meditating this morning and it's in 2 Corinthians 13 and it's verse 5. And here again, God's not talking to the sinner. So many people want to pass a word of correction and a word of edifying and a word of education and exhortation. They want to pass it on to the sinner. But Paul said here in verse 5, he said, examine yourselves. You know, we're at the beginning of the year, and a lot of companies in January, they take inventory, and they see what they've got on hand, what their assets are. So today, maybe you need to examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except ye be reprobates. So Paul was saying here, look at yourself. How you living? What are you doing? How, how is Christ being made manifest in you? What are you producing? What are you bringing forth? For you to prove yourself, you've got to have something on the inside of you. So many people don't understand that a trial is a proofing, it's a testing. It's a work of God to purge something out of you, to work something in you, and to prove you to see if you're going to stand for the faith or not. And he is saying here, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove yourselves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ be in you except ye be reprobates. So, prove yourself today. See what's in you. Examine yourself. Start examining. Are you just caught up in religion? Are you just going to church? Are you just going through a form? Do you have the very spirit and nature and the mind and the heart and the compassion of Christ being formed in you? Do you have a working of the Spirit of God in you on a daily basis? Is there a working of the Spirit of God inside of you? Is there something about God in your home? 
Is there a working of the Spirit? Is there a spirit of prayer in your home? Is there a spirit of study and worship in your home among your family? Do you and your family pray together? Do you study the Bible together? Do you talk about the Word? Are you ashamed to lift your head in your hands and magnify and glorify God in the very confines of your home? If you are, there is something wrong with you in your relationship with God and you need to examine yourselves and see if you be in the faith or not. Because if you don't have Christ in your home, if you don't have a working of the Spirit of God in your home, when you go to the house of God, what are you taking with you? What are you taking with you? What are you living in? You don't serve God in church. You worship God in church. But you serve God in your home. You serve Him in your home. If you serve God in your home, then the atmosphere in your home should be about God. There should be a presence of God. There should be an unction of God. There should be even anointing of the Spirit of God that hangs out in the air over your home, in your living room, in your bedroom. I've had a minister that I've known ever since 1987, nearly 30 years. And one of the first things I heard her say that so impacted my life, you have no more of God in church than you have in your living room or you have in your bedroom. My God, we live in carnality. We fill our minds and our hearts full of filth, full of disgruntlement, full of backbiting and bickering and upsetness. And we crowd our minds with the things of the world. And then we go into the house of God and we try to put on a show, try to become a sham and a fake and a put on Christian. And we want to lift our hands and magnify and glorify God in praise and sing the songs of Zion and then we want the Spirit of God to come down and prophesy to us and bless us and speak good things to us and even if He does we turn around and we go out of the house of God and we go back into confusion back into division back into upsetness back God, God is peace God is joy and God is righteousness in the Holy Ghost it shouldn't be just in church. It should be in your house. It should be in your home. There should be a presence of Almighty God and your conversation and your behavior should be about Him every day of your life. And things are changing in 2017. There are people fishing to get left behind in their walking relationship with God because they won't let God change them. Y'all excuse me just a second. God put a scripture in my spirit three or four days ago. Somebody said it to me and I just began to meditate on it. And I want you to go with me to 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. And I'm going to read a few verses here. And I hope this word will be a blessing to you today. We've not ever done this from our home before we live stream from our church every Sunday that we're there and we've never ever done it from our home before but I have prayed many times over the last couple of years and I've thought about maybe doing a Bible study or something from home but it'll just depend on the leadership of the Spirit of God 
But I know there's people out there hungry for God. I know there's people out there that's tired of dead religion. I know there's people out there that are empty. They're dry. There's a deadness working in them. And there's something in their soul crying out, God, work something in me. God, reveal yourself. God, restore me. God, take me back to what I had when I first come to know you. Well, let me tell you something. God has not left you. You have left the very principles of the working of the Spirit of God. If you go back to prayer, go back to seeking God. Go back to living by the Word. Go back to a solid foundation of the word and the spirit inside of you then you will find the reality of God beginning to work one more time it is not up to God it is up to you and I'm going to read this word and I'm going to elaborate and just exhort on what God's put in my spirit I don't know how long I'll exhort it doesn't matter to me what matters to me is the Spirit of God and the Word of God penetrates your heart, gets down in your spirit, and you begin to wake yourself up and say, my God, what is happening to me and what have I become? At one time I prayed, I fasted, I studied, I read the Word. I went out and every day of my life I was a living witness. I think it was Paul that wrote, or Peter, I believe it was, said, you are living epistles. My God, you are the Word of God written in lively stones. We used to talk about Jesus. You used to witness to everybody you come in contact with. Tell them about the goodness of God, about His grace and His mercy. And now you're stone silent. You're dead. Something's happened to you on the inside. And I can tell you what it is. You've left the foundation. I believe the Lord said in one writer, He said, you have forsaken the fountains of living waters. And you have become empty cisterns. You become cisterns with holes in them. You can't contain the blessings. You go to church and God will bless you. You go to church sometimes. The Spirit of God moves. There's an overflowing of the Holy Ghost. There's an overwhelming of the Spirit of God. You leave the house of God singing and shouting and praising. And just a little while you're empty. Why? Because you've hewed out cisterns that holds no water. You can't retain the working of the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you this day, it's time to go back and examine yourselves and see if you be in the faith or not. Well, from 2 Timothy. I tell you, I don't know if I'm going to be able to contain this or not. This thing's strong. <laughs> I'm not used to being able to sit still and still expound the word. Man, there's a powerful anointing in here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Look what Paul's telling Timothy. Preach the word. You can't preach the word unless you're going to live by the word. I get so tired of people wanting to preach the word when there's no foundation under them. If you can't have a foundation, if you can't live right, if you can't get your life established and settled in the living Word of God, then don't preach it. People just want to preach. They just want men's praise. They just want 
men's attention. They just want somebody to tell them they're a good preacher. Well, I don't ever get the fact much that I'm a good preacher. I get the fact that I'm a hard preacher. And I told somebody the other day, I said, I'm so tired of hearing, well, oh, Brother Matter's just a hard preacher. No, Brother Matter ain't a hard preacher. You're just a loose liver. You want to live loose, you want to live ungodly, you want to live unclean, and you want to justify your behavior, and then when the word comes down uh, straight and it comes down that you need to be living like you're supposed to live, then you want to back up and say, oh my God, that's hard preaching. No, it ain't hard preaching. Uh, it's just you uh, have got off track. You got away from your dedication. Uh, you got away from the working uh, of the Spirit of God. Some of you used to have a fire uh, of the Holy Ghost burning uh, on the inside of you. Uh, your songs wasn't just words. Your song come up a heart of praise. It come out of a something on the inside of you. They wanted to praise and magnify and glorify your God. There was a true heart of worship in people. And yet now there's something missing. And you keep saying you don't know what it is. You keep asking God what's missing. Yeah, I can tell you what's missing. Go back to your first love. Do your first works over. And your first works ain't repentance and baptism. Your first works is go back to prayer, go back to study, go back to loving God, go back to relationship, go back to communion with God, go back to that where you can talk to Him and He'll talk to you. Get back in that place where God knows where to find you. Because I'm going to tell you something when your relationship with God, God knows where to find you. When the voice of the Lord spoke in that garden in the beginning, and he said, Adam, Adam, wherefore art thou, Adam? God wasn't talking about where Adam's physical presence was. God knew where Adam's physical presence was. God was saying, Adam, where are you spiritually? What's happened to you, man? And then Adam spoke up and said, I was naked and I was afraid and I hid myself. Then God asked him, Adam, who told thee thou was naked? Are you naked today in God's eyes? Are you naked today? Have you allowed the cares? Have you allowed the desires? Have you allowed the pleasures and the things of this world? Have you allowed them to strip the word of God out of your heart and out of your mind, out of your life? You know there's a verse in Luke, and I can't tell you where it is right now, but it talks about us being caught up in the cares, caught up in the pleasures of this life. And it says when you do this, you will bring forth no fruit to perfection. Some of you, all you try to do is get to heaven. I want to possess the kingdom of heaven. I want to bring forth fruit under maturity, under perfection, under completeness. I want to bring forth. I want to bring forth. I want to examine myself and find out what's hindered me that I can't bring forth fruit under perfection. I look back on yourself. Did you change in 2016? I, did you change in 2015? Do you have plans? I, do you have goals? Do you have something I, on the inside of you that's going to cause you to strive I, to change in 2017? I, do you have a desire to become pleading God? I, do you have a desire I, to bring forth fruit unto perfection? Examine yourselves, examine yourselves, examine yourselves. See if ye be in the faith. 
Because if you don't, you're going to go right into the same old dead form that you was in in 2016. Oh, well, Brother Metter, I've got things I've got to do. I've got responsibilities. I've got, yeah, we all do. But I'm going to tell you something. There's things you can do different. There's things you can do different. Instead of getting off work and coming in and doing things to entertain the flesh, doing things, you can get in prayer. You can study the Word. I remember God spoke in a prophecy two or three years back and He told people, He said, come together as a family. Come together and study my Word 30 to 45 minutes a night as a family. Study my Word. Pray together. Seek my face together. And yet you won't find very many that name the name of the Lord. You won't find very many that name the name of Christ. He said, if you name the name of Christ, depart from iniquity. But very few people that name the name of Christ that claim that they are God's children, that they are God's seed, that they are called by the name of Jesus. Very few of them. Do you ever find that they have prayer and Bible study in their homes any time during the day? Only time they read their Bibles is in church. The only time they sing songs and raise their hands and glorify and magnify God is when they go to the house of God. Children of God, you can't worship God one or two days a week and call it a relationship with God. It is time to serve the Lord. It is time to seek ye the Lord while he may be found. We are in a day of visitation. We are in a day that the Spirit of God is preparing an outpouring. And I'm not talking about just more tongues. I'm talking about what God spoke in Malachi, the third chapter. Behold, the messenger whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. He said, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me that the messenger uh, whom you seek even the messenger of the covenant uh, whom you delight in he's going to suddenly uh, come to his temple uh, that is not talking about John the Baptist uh, that, that, that might have been that what I was speaking of John the Baptist was fulfilled in part uh, but he there was no messenger of the covenant in John's day uh, nobody was seeking the messenger of the covenant nobody delighted uh, in the messenger of the covenant he said but him who ye seek uh, shall suddenly come to his temple uh, it's a day of the coming uh, of the son of man being revealed in his people it's a day of a coming uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ the ministry uh, that he walked in on this earth uh, it's time for him to come to his temple uh, it's time for him to come it's time for him to come uh, Paul wrote uh, in, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians I can't remember whether it's the 4th chapter uh, but he said that the life of Jesus Christ uh, might be made manifest in your mortal flesh. Uh, what are we doing, children? Where are we going? Uh, have we settled for good church? Uh, have we settled for good singing and shouting? Uh, have we settled uh, uh, coming out of church and saying, my God, they preached a great word. Uh, but nothing changes. Nothing is happening. Uh, nothing's growing on the inside of you. Nothing's moving you forward. Uh, nothing is causing uh, a desire to hunger to spring up in your soul it's time ye are the temple of the living God ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost but what's coming out of you what's being revealed out of you bitter water and sweet water can't come out of the same fountain blessings and cursings can't come 
out of the same place. With your mouth do ye curse men and with the same mouth glorify God. God said, ain't right, can't happen. This is happening, there's something wrong in your spirit. You need to start asking God to change you. You need to start setting your heart to seek God. Let me see if I can get on down to this scripture. I ain't even gotten the scripture that I thought I was going to minister on today. But I guess what the Lord put in my spirit this morning as I reached out to him was examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. But Paul wrote to Timothy here and he said, Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. That does not have anything to do with if somebody calls on you to testify or sing. That don't have nothing to do. People have taken that scripture so out of context. Somebody will call on you to testify and you wasn't expecting her, sing, you wasn't expecting her. You may even get a service put on you. You're not expecting, well, Bible says be instant in season, out of season. Yeah, but what Paul was talking about, he said, Son Timothy, he said, there's going to be days you're going to walk in a move of God. There's going to be days the glory of God's going to be there. There are going to be days the word's going to flow and the power's going to be present. And then there's days you're going to fight like you digging into concrete. There's going to be a darkness. There's going to be a force of hell come against you. There's going to be a time when the word of God is not in season. He said, you still got to have that victory. You still got to have that fight. You still got to know who your God is and you got to be just as powerful and just as assured and just as confident and just as set on fire in the Lord when the Spirit of God is there and it's moving in season as it is when it's out of season. You know, I remember way back, I think it was in 95, I'd gone to Arkansas to preach and we got out there and it was either in January or February and I remember it well. We got in that night and I ministered that night and we got out of the church, it was snowing. The brother told me, he said, he said, if it snows like it does around here sometime, he said, we won't be able to have church the next two or three days because this was out on the mountain above the city and we had to go back in the city and we got in there and man, it snowed and we got up the next morning and there was probably eight plus inches of snow on the ground roads covered and on the news they had a, a big system coming out of Missouri that's going to bring another six to maybe 12, 14 inches of snow and the pastor called me and he said well brother, he said looks like y'all going to be snowed in for a few days and we ain't going to be able to have church I said nah, -uh. I said I'm going to prayer I'm going to believe God changed this he said, well, you pray all you want to. He said, I've done seen this too many times. I said, okay. He said, it's going to snow all day, all night, and all day tomorrow. He said, the temperatures ain't going to get above freezing. He said, that means the roads won't clear. I said, all right, brother. I said, I plan on seeing you tonight. He thought I was crazy. I went and got in prayer and started praying, started seeking God. And I started crying out to God. I said, God, I didn't come out here shit in Motel no three or four days. I said, now I need you to do something. Man, got in prayer and the Spirit of God began to move on me. He said about 1 o'clock this afternoon, he said the snow's going to move. He said it's going to go up in the 40s. He said the snow's going to melt, the roads are going to clear, and you're going to have church tonight. And he said, I am telling you that a season of revival is at the door. God began to move on me how that fruits and stuff have their season. 
And when they're in season, they're ready available. When they're out of season, they ain't so ready available. And the Lord told me, he said, right now the word and the move of God is out of season. He said, but it's coming back in season. He said, it's coming back in season. And I want you to know about one o'clock that afternoon, the sun come out. That system that was in Missouri turned and went north of us. And by 2.30, 3 o'clock that afternoon, the roads had cleared. Temperatures went up to the 40s, close to 50. And I got a phone call. And the pastor said, well, brother, looks like we have in church tonight. Looks like God heard you. I said, I know he heard me. And I said, he's done give me a word for tonight. And I went and preached on a new season. We are entering in. That might have been 95. That might have been 16, 17 years ago. But we are entering into a new season, a new move. God spoke in a prophecy here at the church back in September about a new and a different anointing. See, for ever since I, I was a child, I just turned 64 years old. I was born into what we call the Pentecostal movement. My daddy was a pastor up in the state of Ohio when I was born. I was raised in Pentecost. I was raised in the tongues. I was raised in the gifts, the anointing. I was raised under great miracles and deliverance. I was raised in, in worship. I was raised in it all, children. And I've seen for the last 30 to 40 years, everything has stayed the same. But the miracles and the deliverance have gotten less and less and less and less and less. And that's because people have gotten more into form, more into doctrine and more into tradition. And they walked away from their dedications and their relationship with God. So the time has come to get a relationship with God. You know the Lord spoke in Isaiah 55 and he said, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. There's not a... I mean, there's some seasons you can't find God. You say what you want to. You know you've been through them. There's night seasons that come that you can pray and you can pray and you can pray and you can pray and you can seek the Lord and it doesn't matter what you do or what you seem to try. It's like God's nowhere around. You can't feel Him. And some of us has gone through things that we've been to ask the Lord, Lord, have you forgotten me? Do you know where I'm at? Do you know where I live? Here's my address, Lord. But in Isaiah 55, in verse 6, he says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous men his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon him. See, here we are again. God's not talking to the sinner. Isaiah wasn't speaking to the sinner. He was speaking to God's people, but he turned around and said, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon it. Because We've got to the place where we thank God things like we do. We do. We thank God things like we do. But God went on in his eighth verse and he said, My thoughts aren't your thoughts. Neither are my ways. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So see, God don't think like we think. Sometimes when we pray, we think God's thoughts are our thoughts and God's ways are our ways. And then we want to question God because He ain't moved according to our thoughts and He ain't moved according to our ways. And you can't do that. Because God is spirit. He don't understand your carnality. He don't understand your emotion. The only thing God understands is the man Christ Jesus. He's your mediator. And when you pray and you petition the Lord and you pray now, I'm sorry we pray in carnality. We pray in our own understanding. We pray in our own words. There's very few times that people, when they pray, they press and they seek and they knock and ask till they get to where the Spirit's praying. Once your spirit man begins to pray, then God can hear you. But as long as you're praying in your carnality, you're praying in your emotions, you're praying in your upsetness, it's got to go to the man, Christ Jesus, and then he's got to become that intercessor and he's got to become that mediator between God and man. But when you get to the place where you're praying in the Spirit, then that prayer is going to go directly to God and going to be heard by God. And that's why it says, when the Spirit prayeth, it makes groaning and utterance that are hard to be understood that's when we don't know what we're praying but the spirit does so don't think just cause you pray in your own trouble in your own upsetness in your own heartache that God's understanding you because he has to have that man Christ Jesus he has to have that man Christ Jesus as that intercessor he has to have that go-between. He has to have that mediator between God and man, that man, Christ Jesus. He has to have it. Are you hearing me? He has to have that go-between because he don't understand your thoughts and he don't understand your ways. Now I believe that's wisdom right there that all of us can walk with, all of us can believe, all of us can walk in. But I want to try to get to this third verse in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, the third verse says this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust or after their own desires, they shall they heap or shall they gather to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now I want to exhort on this for a few minutes. This will probably be the last thing I exhort on. But this is the scripture that I'll start meditating on. And it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Everybody thinks this is false teachers. They think this is false doctrines. It's going to come in unawares. Or it's going to come in. And people think that they have the spirituality in their relationship with God. I've never seen so many people 
in a mindset and it's almost a self-righteousness as a superiority that they don't think the devil could mess them up. But this scripture right here when it says for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine it's talking about you children it's talking about the believers. It's talking about there's coming a time because of your own desires your own lust of the flesh that you won't endure sound doctrine. You won't listen to solid principled preaching. That's why I was telling you a while ago, I cannot stand this spirit among people. They want to preach. They want to preach on Facebook. They want to preach on uh, the, the, the in the churches. They want to preach across email. They want to preach on every social media. And they want to tell people what God's telling them. I, I, I mean, I see people all the time saying, the word of the Lord says this, and the word of the Lord says that. When they do not have a solid foundation, they do not have a home church, they are not working in the ministry in a church with the other four ministries. Uh, they do not go to the house of God. They are not steadfast in attendance. They don't support the house of God with their tithes and offerings. They don't work with the pastor. They don't work with the evangelist. Uh, they don't work with the leadership ministries of the apostles and prophets. Uh, they just want to get out here and preach. I don't care who you are. Uh, to me, you're a sounding brass. You're a tinkling cymbal. Uh, to me, you're a loose cannon. Uh, I don't care what you're saying. I don't care if you're having some healings and miracles I, to me you are out of God's divine order I, and you are one that this scripture is talking about I, that you cannot endure I, sound doctrine brother better that's hard that's straight it's what the word says it's what the word says why should everybody that goes to church be required to be faithful in attendance. Be required to honor God at their tithe and offer. Be required to be there to pray. Be required to be there. It's a requirement in your spirit, man. But yet you got these people that call themselves preachers or prophets. I don't know what they call themselves, but they're not in church. Their families aren't in church. Yet some of y'all are flocking to hear them. Ooh, that went bad, didn't it? Some of the oldest flock to hear him. How is it that you raise your family in church, but the preachers you go to hear don't raise their family in church, don't have a home church? It's wrong. I know people all the time, they're always preaching. They're always telling people, you need to get saved, you need to go to church, you need to serve God, you need to be in the house of God, and they won't darken the doors. You know people the same way. I don't care if you've been hurt. I don't care if you've been wounded. I don't care if somebody's lied to you. I don't care what preachers have done to you. Jesus Christ has not done you wrong. You need a home church. You need a relationship with God. You need leadership that you can set under so that you can learn to grow, so that you can arm yourself for war. You need, you need to be investing in the kingdom of God with your tithe and your offerings if that's your home church if that is where God has put you my God get where God puts you and quit hoboing quit hopping around quit going from church to church and preacher to preacher trying to satisfy the lust of your flesh because that's what the word says by your own desires by the lust of your flesh you're going to go out here and heap to yourselves preachers 
because you want somebody to tickle your ears. You've got itching ears. You want somebody to tell you you're a good Christian. You want somebody to tell you you're doing good. You're preaching good. You're prophesying good. You're serving God when in fact you are breaking the very word of God. How can you tell somebody to get saved and go to church and serve God when you don't do it yourself? To me, you're a hypocrite. It's time to get things back in God's order. Quit trying to write your own religion. Quit trying to tell yourself you're serving God. Quit trying to tell yourself and convince yourself that you're called of God. You're a minister of the gospel and you're doing what God's called you to do. If you don't have the right foundation under you, ain't nothing going to stand. Whatever you build has to be built on the right foundation. Whatever you do in your life has to have a scriptural foundation or it ain't going to stand. I mean, my God, we learned these parables in Sunday school. Jesus gave the parable, I believe it was in Luke 8. He said, I'll show you what the man's like who built a house. He dug down deep till he found a rock. And on that rock, he built his house. On that word, on that solid foundation, he built his house. And when the rains came, when the storms came, the floods and the winds beat vehemently upon the house, it did not fall. If you're always one going through storms, if you're always one going through trials, if you're always one going through circumstances and situations where you're always getting discouraged, where you're always going through upsetness, where you're always getting depressed or discouraged or being down and out, you ain't built on the right foundation. You are not built on the right foundation because there's victory in Jesus Christ. I tell people and I teach them that Satan is defeated, Satan is destroyed. The gospel or the, the epistle of 1 John 3 and I believe it's verse 8 says he that sinneth from the beginning for the devil uh, he that sinneth is of the devil for the devil sinneth from the beginning for this purpose was the son of God made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil I believe that but yet people are always fighting they're always warring they're, they're always having to go through these battles and you know why there's holes in your armor through the works of the flesh the devil gets in through the works of the flesh he don't get in through your spirit man wasn't Jesus his spirit man that Satan tempted in the wilderness it was the natural man it's not the spirit man because Satan can't whip the Holy Ghost I don't care how you look at it he comes against your carnality he comes against your anger your bitterness your envy your strife your jealousy he comes against your hurt he comes against things you ain't prayed through over the Lord told me a long time ago and I preached it years and years ago that unforgiveness is the root of bitterness. And there's people right now, you listening to me, there's unforgiveness in your heart, there's bitterness. And that bitterness will eat at you like a cancer. The Bible tells you that if you don't forgive, that that thing will spring up in you like a root of unforgiveness and bitterness. It'll pollute you and it'll open the door for the enemy to get in and work you, for the enemy to get in and lie, for the enemy to get in and sow discord. If you've got these spirits in you, somebody ever hurts you and wounds you, and then you start sowing discord, you better be careful. Because Proverbs 6, 14 through 19, I believe it is, talks about there's six things that God don't like, but the seventh thing 
is an abomination. And that's he that soweth discord among the brethren. Do you not understand, children, that when you start sowing discord, when you don't attend the house of God, when you, that you are working against the very principles of the New Testament church that was set up in the book of Acts? You're working against a body coming together, a body growing together, a body being edified, a body coming together in power and authority and dominion. It's what Paul wrote in Ephesians, the fourth chapter and the eleventh verse. He said, and he gave some prophets, some I'm, I'm sorry, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And this is what he gave those ministries for. For the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting means maturing and completing. If you're not going to the house of God, you're not sitting under these ministries. You're not being taught. You're not being edified. Then there's no way for you to become mature and complete. And if you start sowing discord and you work against somebody just because your flesh has been hurt or upset, then you better be careful. God said that is an abomination. That seven things abomination. God hates these things. God hates a proud look. God hates a lying tongue. God hates when you sow discord among the brethren. It's an abomination to him. You better be careful what you do. This word may tan your hide. It may chap you up one side and down the other. But it's the word. You better leave it alone. You better leave it alone, children. Because as we move forward in 2017, the word is straight and it's going to get straighter. And it's time to get our house in order. It's time to set things in order with God. And it's time to quit running around here. You know, I warned people when I pastored in Alabama, I warned people in L.A.J. Some of y'all, all, all y'all want to do is turn on these religious channels and you want to sit around. You want to listen to everything and everybody preach. Did you know, do you know and understand the religious spirits you're allowing into your home? Do you know and understand the doctrines that are against the true doctrines of Christ that you are filling your ears with in this scripture right here? that I'm reading said because of the lust or the desires of your own hearts you heap you gather together preachers with itching ears you gather them together because you want somebody to tell you something good have y'all not ever read in Hebrews in the word where it says my son despise not thou the chastening let's go to Hebrews 12 and I can feel the spirit lifting I can feel I'm fixing to wind up that's all right. I think what God has said today has been really good. And who knows with the weather, who knows how many times we'll have to do this. Who knows if God will speak to us to start doing a... I mean, we have a Bible study uh, at our church. And we've got three to four churches now that we're trying to get something set up to be able to have Bible study with four or five churches let me see if I can find what I'm looking for. Uh, yeah, it's Hebrews 12 and verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. That word chastening right there means instruction. It means correction. It means education. It means edifying. But do you know 
many people in the church today, they don't want nobody to correct them. They don't want nobody to tell them they're doing wrong. They don't want nobody to tell them something different than what they already know. So we closed our hearts to instruction. We closed our hearts to education. We closed our hearts to re repro reproof. We've closed our hearts to rebuke. And the Lord told, and I think it was Paul told Timothy, he said all scripture, all scripture is given for doctrine, it's given for reproof, rebuke, and exhortation. If every time you go to church, all the word does is soothe your soul, somebody's doing you an injustice. But when you're corrected, or when you're edified how to do something in a more perfect way, and you can't take it, there's something wrong with your spirit, man. When you get angry because somebody, then there's a self-righteousness in you. I know people, you can't tell them anything that they're doing wrong. They will tell you how long they've been serving God. They'll tell you they're born again. They'll tell you they got the Holy Ghost. They don't need your correction. They don't need you to try to show them anything different. That in itself is a wrong spirit. That in itself shows me that your spirit is out of control because it is directly against the Word. And there's people when you try to Tell them something when God deals with you and you speak something by the Spirit that they will get angry and they will start rebuking you. And the Bible plainly says, rebuke not an elder. You can cross a lot of lines in the Word of God. You might do it. You might get upset. You might go and pray through and ask God to forgive you. That don't mean God won't chastise you for it. You know, we do things, if we get out of order, God will correct us, and there's many times we'll repent, and we'll get things under the blood, and we'll get things back in order. That don't mean it's not going to cost you. That don't mean it's not going to cost you, because I'm going to tell you something, if you keep sinning, you keep getting out of order on God's Word, and there ain't never a price to pay, then you're going to keep doing it. But if there's a price to pay, God will get your attention. You won't keep doing these things. Despise not thou the chastening. The, uh, the word despise means uh, you don't have any respect. When you don't have any respect of somebody that's been in the ministry 30, 40, 50 years. I've been serving God 47 years this year, if not more. But I believe it's 47 this year. I've spent 40 of those years in full time ministry. I've probably preached. 15,000 services, if not 20, in this country. No telling how many I've preached abroad to the mission field. Seen God save 50, 60, 70,000 at a time. Been through trials, been through heartaches, been through suffering, been through turmoil, been through pressures of the mind. Have spent my life seeking God to be able to help people, and yet people have no respect. They have no respect. And a lot of it is the spirit of rebellion that's got on this younger generation. And that's what the Lord began to deal with me about this scripture over in Second Timothy. He said, this is a spirit of rebellion. When people are going to come to the place, they won't endure sound doctrine. They won't get built on a solid foundation, on a solid word. What it, I believe it's in First Peter 5 and 10 where Peter told us, he said, after you have suffered a while, 
the Lord will strengthen, establish, and settle you. And then he will make you perfect. You got to go through some things to get wisdom and knowledge and understanding. But Paul's trying to tell people here, you've forgotten the exhortation of the Lord that says, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Because when you're young in the Lord and you start growing and you're doing things wrong, God is going to correct you. He's going to chasten you. He's going to correct you. He's going to edify you. He's going to educate you. He's going to teach you how to do things right. You know, in Acts, and I believe it's the 18th chapter. I've been reading a lot in the book of Acts, but somewhere in there in the last verse or so, I'm pretty sure it's Acts, the 18th chapter, that Paul was ministering somewhere, and I think it was a man named Apollos came down and begin to expound fervently about the things of God. I mean, just begin to preach with a fervorance. But yet, the scripture said he knew he knew only about the baptism of John. But he had a fervorance. He, he, he spoke well. And then Aquila and Priscilla took him aside and expounded the word of God unto him more perfectly. Showed him something different. Showed him something more perfect. Showed him something more complete. When somebody tries to show you something more perfect or more complete or brings you a word of chastening or correction or edification, can you hear? Do you have a heart to receive? Do you have a spirit? Are you bound with rebellion? Do you bow up? Do you get haughty? Do you get arrogant? Do you get mad? Well, every time I hear Brother Better, he's stepping all over my toes. Good. Maybe there's potential in you God wants to birth and bring forth. But I'm going to tell you something. Every time you hear me, I'm stepping all over your toes. You ain't doing something right. Because there ain't no preacher going to step on your toes all the time. Unless you just rebellious and you just disobedient and you can't endure sound doctrine. I know I've said some things today that's straight. I know I've said some things today that's probably going to upset some people and make them mad. I can't help it. I believe the Word of God. I believe in living clean. I believe in walking upright with God. If you're going to commit fornication and adultery, stay out of the pulpit. You're going to try to take advantage of people financially, stay out of the pulpit. If you don't have a life built on a solid foundation of the Word and you're living by the Word, stay out of the pulpit, don't preach. Because I heard a minister say this, anybody can preach the Word. And anybody knows the Word, studies the Word, you can preach the Word. But you minister to people what you are. Some of y'all don't understand there's ministers or preachers I won't call them ministers. I'll call them preachers. They'll come lay hands on you. They'll prophesy to you. But what you don't understand is they may be imparting something to you that ain't right. Ooh. Did you hear what I said? I said they may be imparting something to you by the laying on of hands that ain't right. See, I don't let just anybody lay hands on me. I don't just take a prophecy from anybody or receive a word from just anybody. I've got to know that individual's life. 
I've got to know their dedications and I've got to know their consecrations. I've got to know their walk with God. I've got to know that God has proved them or they ain't going to be laying hands on me because there are spirits that can be imparted. So anybody can preach but not everybody can minister because there's a lot of people who don't have any experience to minister. They don't have anything in their life that they can minister into your life because they've never been through nothing because they've never put themselves in a place of a solid relationship with God where God could try them. You got to let God try you. You got to let God purge you. You got to let God cleanse things out of your heart and your spirit. When you go through something, you can get a compassion for somebody. When you go through trials and heartaches and suffering and pain, then you understand where people are and you can minister to them. You can minister health. You can minister strength to them. You can minister wisdom. You can minister edification. But until you reach those maturity, that maturity in those years, there's nothing wrong with you preaching every now and then. But don't get out of here and try to act like some hot shot and prophesy everybody and minister a word to everybody and try to change everybody's lives when your life is not in order. You've got to grow. You've got to mature. That's why the Bible says don't let a novice preach. When you're young in the Lord, you can preach. You have to preach to learn. But don't get out here and act like you're gifted of God. And that God's give you all these great gifts and this anointing and this healing and this deliverance. I was in ministry seven years part-time before God ever started giving me the gift of prophecy and the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge. and I was, I was seven years old in the Lord and done a lot of fasting and praying, seeking the face of God before God began to gift me. Don't think you're going to jump up here in a few years when you ain't had no experience, when you've not been through anything and think that you can step out here and minister. Because with those ministries Paul was talking about in Ephesians 4 and 11, he went on to Ephesians 4 12. He said, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying. That means the teaching, the erecting, the building of the body of Christ, the edifying the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith. There's only one faith. We got to come into a unity, one with another, have the same mind, the same judgment, speak the same thing, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and unto the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. He said, When you come there, he said, then that you be henceforth, no more children tossed to and fro. You got to go somewhere, you got to get a solid foundation, you got to get something under your feet. But you got to learn to endure sound doctrine. God ain't talking about false teachers, false prophets, and false doctrines coming in. God is talking about you being able to endure sound doctrine. And when sound doctrine comes, you don't get upset in yourself. You don't get upset in your flesh. You don't get angry. And you don't go out here and heap to yourself teachers. You don't gather all these teachers and listen to all these preaching and prophesying I'm telling you, those kind of things minister confusion into people's lives. I've told people and told, don't sit up and listen to all these preachers on TV. 
Don't sit up and continue. Well, Brother Metter, I like to listen to preaching. Get some CDs. Get some DVDs. Get people you know that are preaching the truth, solid in the faith. Keep them on in your home. You don't have to have your TV on. You don't have to have all these spirits and doctrines coming out of different people that you don't know their lives. Because I'm going to tell you something. The majority of this prosperity gospel and these prosperity preachers they're living unclean, ungodly, unholy lives and it's going to come out on them somewhere. They're rich, they're wealthy, they don't care about you. All they care about is that money. And when you are tithe, taking your tithe and sending it to a TV preacher instead of supporting a home church, you're wrong. When you are taking your offerings and sending it to these men that are wealthy and rich and stand up and crack jokes and make fun and preach a middle-of-the-road smooth gospel and fly around in 40 and 50 million dollar jets and tell you that God wants to bless you and prosper you when you do those kind of things you are in error and you're causing the true men and women and vessels of God you're causing them financial hardship you're causing them spiritual warfare you're causing them mental anguish because they're fighting to keep their feet on the ground. They're fighting to get the truth out because they won't compromise with you because they won't tell you what you want to hear Then you heap yourself teachers having itching ears. And it's wrong. I said it's wrong. It's a good way to start the year out and get built on sound doctrine. Get built sound in the faith. Go back to seeking God. Go back to the working of the Spirit of God that God wants to reveal in your home. Go back. Go back to what works. Go back to what's right. Now I'm going to jump over here to Titus. I'm going to read something in Titus. And it's Titus, the second chapter. First verse. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. That the aged women likewise. Did say it's talking about the ministers. It said, you elders, you older people in the faith, you older women in the faith, you going to speak something? Speak something that becomes sound doctrine. You aged women, do likewise. That they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers. Not given to much wine teachers of good things that you may teach the young women to be sober. This means serious-minded. To love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste keepers at home. See, there's sound doctrine in this word. And everything that you speak should be sound doctrine. Should be sound doctrine. And we need somebody to declare sound doctrine. 
And we need to examine ourselves and realize that when Paul wrote to Timothy and said the day's coming, people won't endure sound doctrine. You're here. You're here today. The spirit of rebellion, which ties to witchcraft, stubbornness, and idolatry, it's in the church today. I've never seen people so stubborn and rebellious that you... I mean, I counsel people. I talk to people for about the last four or five years. It seems like everybody I counsel, everybody I talk to. Everybody asks me to pray about something. I come back and give them what I feel God's put in my spirit. They say, okay, thank you. And they go on and do their own thing. Why? They want somebody to tell them what their heart wants. They want to find them a preacher that's going to justify their sin or their error. Go ahead. Find somebody to agree with you. Find somebody to teach you that you can follow the lust of your heart. That you can follow the desires of your own heart after the lust of your flesh. Somewhere you will shipwreck. And then you will have to turn in your shame and you'll have to come back to God. See what happens when people do this, they get ashamed. They get defeated and then they're they won't hold their head up and come back to the house of God. And then they stay out of church and they start getting away from God. We've come to the place to examine ourselves. We've come into the place that you have got to be able to endure sound doctrine. You've got to be able to endure it. The word endure means to cling to, hold to, uphold. So stop and examine yourselves. Are you living by sound doctrine? Is your house in order? Are you, do you have a home church? Are you attending the house of God on a regular basis? Are you praying? Are you working in the church? Where's your labor being put? Where's your labor being put? You know, I know people are evangelists. They travel all over the country, and they never one time labor for God to bring souls into their home church. They never one time go out in the community and labor for God to add to the church. They never go out and raise finances to help the church. I don't care where you go to church. I don't care what it, what it is, what it's called. In the months of December and January, offerings and tithe and giving to the church drops off to 40, 50, and 60%. It'll go that way probably through February into March because people take their money, they take their tithes, they take their offerings, they take every, and they go and spend it on what their flesh wants over Christmas and New Year's. It happens every year. I'm talking about in all denominations. It ain't just it happens. That's all well and good if you're a big church and you got plenty of money, but when you're a small church, finances are tight, it works a hardship. So, examine yourself. What are we doing? Do you have a home church? Are you faithful? Are you dedicated to it? Are you doing everything you can to help the pastor? You do it. Are you going in to the house of God on service nights prepared? Do you pull back an hour or two before service and begin to pray and seek the face of God and go in there and say, God, here I am. Use me. I want to be a part. I want to be a giver. I want to be a contributor. Are you going there beat down, beat up, knocked down, disgusted, depressed, discouraged? come dragging in the door and say my God somebody help me a lot of people do 
I pray these words have been a blessing to you. And for those of y'all, if somebody out there hearing us, you don't have a home church, the church in LJ is located on the corner of Big Creek and 90 Garland Drive, LJ, Georgia. We have service Sundays at 11. We used to go to prayer around between 10 and 1030. We believe in praying. Then we have prayer on Monday night. We have Bible study on Tuesday night. I don't know. We'll be able to get there uh, tomorrow night for prayer. We'll just have to see how the roads are. We'll try to let everybody know. But I definitely know we're going to try to come up Tuesday and at least have prayer. Don't know how things are going to work this week. So keep us in your prayers. And I thank all of you that tuned in. I hope this word got down in your heart and got down in your spirit and you let God work something in you. And we live stream our services every Sunday from the New Testament Church in LJ. I appreciate you tuning in and I want to go to prayer just before we sign off. And let's ask God to let this word get down in your spirit and down in your heart. And have a heart to hear. Have a heart to understand what the Spirit is speaking to the church. Uh, the mailing address, if you don't come to our church or you want to help us, uh, you, all donations are tax exempt. You can make it out to World Revivals. And that's P.O. Box 1618 Conyers C-O-N-Y-E-R-S Georgia 30012 that, or you can use PayPal but again that make your checks or whatever you World Revivals P.O. Box 1618 Conyers, C-O-N-Y-E-R-S, Georgia, 30012. If you just want to write us and tell us you enjoyed this service, that would be good too. Let's go to prayer. Righteous Father, in the holy name of Jesus, God, I know that what you put in my spirit, God, is right. It's time for people to examine themselves and look at themselves and see if they be in the faith, it's time, God, to go back to sound doctrine, solid teaching. You told them in the Old Testament, don't move the landmark. God, so many people have moved the landmark and made the straight and narrow way of Broadway. And God, now they're off track. They're on the wrong road, Lord. God, help us to come together in 2017. There's going to be such great changes, such a deep working of the Spirit that's coming forth in your people in 2017. And I ask that you give everyone eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. And I pray this word finds a good place in their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. And hoping to see you in service with us soon. May God bless you. Amen.